Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First, Dave, the Alcadron Vader, is not with us this week. I think he must have partied too hard at the House of Commons. Thanks, Chev. So we'll move on to our resident PDH PhD. Liam, how was your Halloween? Yeah, my Halloween was actually uh, pretty great. I... Uh, spent the morning at the school that I teach, uh, dressed up as a mm-hmm. Slytherin professor. Uh, there's actually a group of us, nice. uh, one from each house, uh, and then the principal dressed up as Dumbledore, uh, because there's a bunch of us that like that series. Uh, yeah. Did you put any pictures online? Or no, I no, you? I don't usually uh, post personal stuff on on yeah, on yeah, you that usually account. Don't, but... Uh, but yeah, I got gotcha. you. That was my, my Halloween. Uh, I, I put out a bowl of candy and then went to uh, my fiance's family who lives in a nearby town. Uh, and we got back mm-hmm. and it had apparently rained where we lived. So no one oh, went trick-or-treating, no. which honestly I'm okay with because I now have a large bowl of candy. Because <laughs> now, <you> <laughs> now I have candy that I paid for. See, it doesn't feel so bad when you just say, oh, well, there was no trick-or-treaters I, instead of just I bought myself exactly. a big bag Exactly. So now I have a large bowl of candy, and that's 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 pretty great, I guess. Yeah, that uh, is pretty yeah. great. How was your Halloween, Brian? Uh, it was good. It was good. We went trick or treating with with the boy, with my son. He's he'll be eleven in a couple weeks, so this is probably one of his last trick or treating Halloween nights. Nah, so it's a little bittersweet, but nah. he he seems to love it. So I'm guessing he'll probably do it two or three more times, and then once again as a teenager, probably do something stupid, get in trouble, <laughs> but. As far as trick or treating with with daddy, I think this is going to be one of the one of the last. Yeah, ones. Maybe dad, I'm going week. trick or treating. You haven't been trick or treating in four years. <laughs> yeah, where are you going with those eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we out of toilet paper? But no, it was a good time. We pretty quiet where I live. A lot of people go out of city limits to like trunk or treat mm. things or this church is having a halloween de- i don't know whatever but so we don't usually have a ton of trick-or-treaters but we did pretty well we usually dress up the yard put some strobe lights and fog mm-hmm. machine all that kind of stuff so it was yeah. a good time yeah typical halloween i love it it's my favorite pretty time solid. of year sounds like you had fun and yeah, i, I definitely feel you on the favorite time of year like you know get the question what's your favorite holiday and you know people like to go like oh it's christmas so oh it's valentine's Day. no halloween yeah. Halloween no, is, Halloween. is, is the... the holiday. There is no other holiday. Yeah. Yeah. All of the others are imposters. Halloween is like the four to six weeks that leads up to oh, actual yeah. Halloween. No, it's spooky season. For sure. Starts around September 15th, ends around November 15th. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That works. Halloween's just the night you pass out candy. But it, it's it's yep. it's a lifestyle. It is it really is. I enjoy yeah. it a lot. All right. Before we move on to the main topic, as any good podcast does we need to do some housekeeping so first i want to mention the patreon account that we started recently if you like the show if you want to support it kick us a little dough we can make some great content we're hoping hoping to get some merchandise made here um i think probably by the beginning of next year i'm going to start looking into to what's possible as far as play mats stickers what whatever we can come up with that sort of thing so 
uh, kick us a buck or two on Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash the PDH pod. You'll find us right there. We got five or six people in there already. It's an awesome little community. So we're always chatting and sending messages back and forth and stuff. And being a patron, you get access to the pre-show. Like today we recorded, I want to say almost an hour of just sort of whatever comes up. A little chitter chatter, catching up with each other for the week. You get access to the show notes uh, when I and also access to the episodes. You usually get those um, about 12 hours early because it takes a little while to edit. But I usually post those Thursday night. You'll get them by then. So you have the pre-show, early access to the episode, and show notes all right there for you. And then also try to check out our YouTube. We're going to try to grow that here shortly with some videos that are being added of the um, – my Saturday night streams, the Monday night streams, that sort of thing. They take a while to put together, but we're going to have more of those as we get into the future there. that's We're just the PDH pod on YouTube as well. So I think that's all we really have to promote as far as content goes. Was there anything in the MTG world this week you wanted to talk about, buddy? I don't know. Do we really want to talk about Magic 30? Or do we just want to scoff I at it and move on? I don't know. You don't know. Okay, we won't talk about it then. Oh. <sighs> It's and, so, and, and that it's, goes for like Vegas and the secret layer and the the $250 booster packs. Yeah, and the $350 admission to Command Zone that yeah. everyone went oh, to. That was... And I don't like it's so hard to. Yeah, you can like point fingers at like, ooh, Watsy yeah. or whatever, but like you don't really know where things broke down. You know, like obviously they're they're pandering to wealthy players people with money collectors whoever but like what really happens well, that, that causes a, all apparently this uh the command zone was perfect sized so for anyone who's maybe was poking around reddit or twitter and saw like the the pictures of just the blank tables right that just seemed to span mm-hmm. on for forever they apparently seated exactly enough tables for the command zone as there were pass holders uh, right the thing is though there's so much to do between panels and artists and creators and cosplay and, and vendors and artists and all that jazz that not everyone who has a pass is going to be sitting in that command zone. Um, so they eventually, like, I, I saw someone say they knocked it down to about 80, 90% capacity and then they knocked it down closer to 70% um, to give more space for mm-hmm. free space, for, for free play. Yeah, yeah, I did hear I, that too as as the event yeah, was going. Yeah, uh, so it did get fixed a little bit. I I, I actually uh, before we started recording the pre-show, I read a Twitter thread. Uh, I can't remember who posted it. I'm so sorry. Um, I wish I could credit them, but they posted a Twitter thread. In in that thread, uh, talking about like the the positives of Magic Thirty because they were just so tired of seeing the negatives. They sure. said that a a piece of feedback they left for the organizers was that for the commands and in particular, treat it like uh, GPs of old where you know all the space was free play until it was needed for someone who had paid for an event right so for the, for the command sure. zone it is free play for commando only right you should be sitting at tables of 3 to 4 people playing commando right however with the caveat that if there is a group that has paid for passes that needs play space you will be asked to move and then you can have like at most like forty to fifty percent space capacity for command zone. Uh, you know when I say that I mean like if a hundred people buy passes, then you have seats for fifty, because not all hundred people are going to be in the command zone at once. And I've also yeah, judged sure. command zones at like SCG cons, and I can tell you like people, you know, the, the package comes with three or four vouchers. They don't walk in on Friday and decide to use all the vouchers. They use one voucher on Friday, 
They use one voucher Saturday morning. You'll see that person again at like seven o'clock at night for the second voucher, and they'll use the last voucher. Like they they spread it out. So yeah, it really is like I I I think it just needs to they need to look at numbers a little more closely. And you know, I I understand the idea of let's have enough space for all of our people if in case they all come at once. But the reality of it is, not everyone's going to be there all at once. It's just not going to happen. And you should not have halls of people standing playing games at tables. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, the aesthetics of the whole thing was just pretty I, terrible. From my understanding, if you did not go to the event and you were looking in on it, it looked awful. But yeah. everyone that <laughs> really went did. enjoyed themselves. Like, yeah, there were a couple hiccups, sure. but for the vast majority of people I've talked to or uh, seen posting about it, they had absolute blast of a time. Would it be great if the event was overall more affordable? Yes, but I, I think for yeah, people absolutely. that did go, it was a, it was a huge success. Yeah, I do too. I think all the negativity I've seen was directed at how the event was handled, and all the positive positivity I've seen was just being able to hang out and, and play Magic in Vegas, exactly. pretty much. So yeah, I, I think people had a had a really good time, which is good. I'm glad for them. A little jealous, I'm absolutely, jealous, I am too. But that's good. Yeah, I love I love Vegas anyway. It would have been nice to put put a little magic on top of it too. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we can move into the main topic this week. Just Liam and I, we're going to talk about if you are a sixty card popper player and you're just now discovering this podcast, you're just now discovering the PDH format. How the heck do you get into this format if you are of that one v one sixty card constructed format mindset? And that's what we're going to talk about because that's most recently where I came from and I still struggle with it. I mean, if you, if you look at the, my play patterns, even some of the decks I brew, you can tell like, Oh, this guy used, is used to just playing against one person. <laughs> like <laughs> it shows up very clearly that I'm still trying to learn the ways of a hundred card format and that sort of thing. Even if you just, you know, you just plan on making a couple decks playing at the kitchen table. There's still a lot of different things to consider when, when taking that leap from 60 to a hundred cards. We're going to take this information and we're going to uh, relay it to some of the popular slash tier decks in the 60 card format of Popper just to see what sort of copies or um, transitions we can make from one to the next. And in my, in my experience, it's particularly difficult in a commons only format because we don't have like the high power, the high octane cards that say EDH does. You know, yeah, like, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but like, obviously, modern, the format of modern is a fetch land format, but fetch lands are also extremely powerful in EDH, right? We just don't, we don't have a lot of that sort of thing. We don't have like, this card's amazing in 60 card popper. It's also amazing in PDH. There's a couple that sort of cross that line or can, can cover both territories, but we don't have a ton of them. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah. So with that, like I said, I struggle with it a lot. So transitioning from 60 card to <laughs> what I call semi-competitive, you can get into Popper where it's really hyper-competitive. And I think that's where a lot of my downfalls came from is because I'll just never be hyper-competitive, but I am semi-competitive. It, it's something that I've been struggling with for a while. And the biggest hurdle for me to sort of overcome at first getting into Popper Commander was the density of cards that you have in 60 card Popper 
is not the same as in PDH. And I know that seems pretty obvious on the surface. Like, sure, you can have four of any card in 60 card, but it's singleton in PDH. And sure, that makes sense mathematically. But like when I brewed a deck in 60 card popper, one of the the uh, deck building theories I always try to maintain was like the rule of eight, where if your deck really functions well with a specific type of card or a specific effect, while you're playing a play set of it, well, it's only going to get better if you have eight of them, because then you're going to have more access to it. It's going to be, you're probably going to have it in your opening hand. You're going to see it more often, that sort of thing. And we don't really have that in PDH. Like, sure, we have Lightning Bolt and Skewer the Critics and all these one mana, three damage cards, but you're still not going to see them at a very high clip because the decks are much bigger. If you get a Lightning Bolt in your opening hand in 60 card popper, you're off to the races. Like you're doing something probably from turn one, no later than turn two. You're taking out a creature, you're hitting them in the face, whatever you want to do. But you draw a lightning bolt in your opening hand, a PDH. You might be able to do the same thing, but then you got to worry about the other two players. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You took out player three's creature, but then player one and four are looking at you like, okay, you're next. So, so I always thought that was interesting just because in 60 card popper, like you were saying, I don't know if it was in the pre-show or, or before we even recorded that, you were like, it's not even the difference between 60 and 100 cards. It's the difference between, like, what do you say, like 15 and 40 or something. Yeah, it's 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 not 60 to 100. It's more realistically somewhere around uh, 14 to 15 to 70. Because, you, you, you know, you after you account for lands, you have to think at most you're running four copies of every card. And that includes sideboard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you take lands out of a 60-card deck, you've got 40 cards left, you know, at, at the very most. Yep. Divide that by four, you've got 10 unique card names in the deck. Take 30 to 36 out of 100, you know, you got to translate 10 to 15 to, you know, 65 to 70. you got to fill 50 slots. Yeah. <laughs> with, you know, mechanically unique cards. So... It, yeah, it is, and it's it, it was overwhelming it at first when I tried to do it. Because <laughs> you don't think, but, you're like, oh, okay, well, there's a ton of red cards in at common. I'm sure burn is easy to build in PDH, and you actually get down to it, and you're like, holy cow, like, it's not as easy as it as it appears like it would be. Yeah, no, uh, I, I can definitely account that uh, burn in PDH is uh, difficult. No, it's it's definitely... Trying trying to bridge this gap is is the point of this episode yeah. because it it is a lot larger than it might seem. Yeah, it really is. And on the plus side of PDH, though, it's a lot more forgiving than the sixty card or sixty card cousin, if you will. For like, sure, it is a lot more forgiving because of the natural power level of the format. Uh, like Dave was saying a few episodes ago, the most powerful card in your deck is your commander by far you you can't say that about uh other highlander formats because sometimes the commander is just linchpin or just the value engine mm -hmm. but in our format your commander is a whole rarity above everything else you're running and yeah that cannot is, be understated yeah and and you, you know there's gonna be people, be people who are like well this card has been printed at common and uncommon yes however more frequently than not that will be an uncommon that has been downshifted to common because at some point was the coast decided that it could exist at that power level. And that means 
your uncommon creature sits just the just a tiny little bit above that uncommon. Plus, you know, gi- giving giving any uncommon creature the the text that says when this creature dies, put it in a special zone, and you may recast it for two more mana. <laughs> you know, makes a card pretty powerful. Just 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 by default, it never actually so, dies. It just gets a little more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So it it really is. We're hoping to to maybe bridge that gap a little bit for the people so they can come over from 60 card to uh, PDH. Specifically, we're going to be looking at the decks and archetypes that currently exist in the uh, 60 card Papa format mm-hmm. and hope to bridge them over to PDH to maybe get some people who are already in PDH interested in building these uh, ideas, but also to show people that there is a starting point that is reasonable for them. Yep, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to just throw you in and, and just be like, hey, you can use any uncommon creature. That's how, th- that's, <laughs> how we get, <laughs> that's how we get EDH players to try the format. Yeah. Right now, we're trying to get 60-card hyper-competitive players to try the format. And that, that's a lot harder than, than the other way. Yeah, I think so, too. For it sure. Was, it was, you know, I wasn't even that hyper-competitive, and it was quite the leap. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's just a different mindset, too. Like, when you're building a deck in 60-card popper, you're like, sure, uh, let me throw a couple, I don't know, a couple removal spells in this deck just in case I run into a problem. Well, in yeah. PDH, if your colors can handle it, you, you should have probably six or eight of those in there right off the oh. bat. Like, no, 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 no. Six to eight is EDH. In PDH, you're running fifteen. Right. Um, exactly, because you will need them. Like, not yeah. only because there's more players. Obviously, that's going to increase your chances of running into a problematic creature. But just because the nature of the of the format, like forever, people have said that Pauper is a combat driven format. Mm-hmm. You know, you add three more players to each, or two more players to each game, and you increase the deck size. Well, there you go. You know, yeah. that's just going to make that more more relevant. For sure, there there are definitely the combo decks and the control decks, but even then, I would still say some of the control decks tend to still be a little bit more combat oriented than the mm-hmm. EDH cousins tend to be. Just sure. some of the cards they're running, I just look at them and I'm like. Yeah, that that is a seven seven sea serpent. That is the <laughs> biggest thing on the board by four points of power and toughness. You've got it. Um, <laughs> it it definitely makes it difficult uh, when when you're trying to tr- make make the leap, make the jump. But that's what we're here for today. Yeah, it really is. And two, not two. I'm I'm not sure what number we're on now. But it, an additional thing that I had to learn with PDH is like I put in the show notes here that. I had to actually learn to read the cards <laughs> like in 60 card formats. You just, you, you pick up a card and it says you do this thing and, and you don't care. You just do the thing, whether you want, whether you want it to be done or not, whether it's to you or to your opponent, what, what have you Where in PDH or, you know, EDH, these hundred card formats, you'll have cards that say target player or each opponent or each player stuff like that actually really matters quite a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that was another thing that like the first couple decks I brewed up in PDH were just cards that I really loved playing in regular popper. And there are some of my favorites and I started playing with them. And I'm like, damn, I don't, I don't want to be doing this because it doesn't function the same way when there's two more people at the table. It, it just doesn't work the way I want it to. Like some cards can be, 
crippling when it's a 1v1 scenario, but almost beneficial when it's 1v1v1v1, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And there are cards that definitely translate a little bit more favorably. Sure. Uh, for example, Pestilence, right? Like you're, you're all mm-hmm. of a sudden paying one black mana to deal three damage collectively to your opponents. And, you know, you, you, it doesn't really change the way it affects creatures because all creatures are going to be dealt one damage, right? There's yeah. just more things to be affected. But that single black mana, you're now dealing three damage instead of one to your opponents. And yes, you know, you have more opponents, so collectively they have more life. But that is still relevant that certain cards scale up like that, while there are other cards that don't, right? Mm-hmm. There are cards that, that might say single black mana, deal one damage to target creature and one damage to target player. That's not great. No, it's <laughs> it, sure it, not. <laughs> it, that's sure not great. I mean, even if, even if it was a black card that said, you know, that would cost a single black mana and said, deals one, you know, deals one damage to target opponent and one damage to each creature they control. You know, in one v one, in one v one sixty card pop up, that that is indistinguishable from just a single pestilence activation. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if this card exists. I'm just making it up, right? Right. But that is indistinguishable from a, a single pestilence activation. But in PDH, that card is awful. We're not playing that card because no, you would all. just rather have a tutor for pestilence and then play pestilence. Yeah, you'd rather spend the mana, spend that that spell slot on a tutor to go get pestilence. <laughs> yeah, and. And like you were just saying, spending more mana, you know, you, you in, in 60 card popper, you have a two mana sorcery and a three mana sorcery. Both say, oh, so the two mana sorcery says target opponent discards card. The three mana sorcery says each opponent discards card. Mm-hmm. In 1v1, these are mechanically identical. Yep. And you would rather play the two mana version over the three. But in PDH, you'd rather play the three mana because all of a sudden you, you're paying three mana for your opponents to collectively discard three cards. Yep. Versus two mana for your opponents to collectively discard one card. And yes, someone can make the argument of, well, you have more opponents. They have more cards in hand. But the distinction there is two mana for one card or three mana for three cards. You're going to have to pay a little bit more in terms of mana, but you're going to get more effect out of it. And it's important to be reading these cards and understanding, do they translate to multiplayer well? Or do they not translate to multiplayer well? And what I find is more often than not is, yes, there are the hyper staples that translate to PDH really well. For example, yeah, sure. you know, we're Regardless talking about Pestilence, we're talking about uh, you know, Tordex, Gary. I really hate to be using mono black examples. <laughs> that's true like, though. Counterspell counter spell translates really well. Uh, negate. But you know, that's the other thing of like, well, those are, you know, one for ones in in multiplayer or one v in, in sixty card, right? It's you're you're using a counter spell for a card. And while that's true, you can usually use that to buy some goodwill from opponents. Mm-hmm. And you just have to, you know, you have to think about the multiplayer aspect of, does my card do more than what it actually says? Does this say each opponent or does it say target opponent? Does this say each creature or does it say target creature? You know, it it is really important to think about these things. And yes, they will likely cost more mana. And sometimes they might go from instant to sorcery speed. But you know what? It's worth it. Yeah, it's absolutely worth it. And that's taking it out of black, for example. That's a reason other than literally other than one deck. That's why Arcane Denial doesn't see 60 card popper play because you don't want mm-hmm. your opponent drawing a card. 100%. But the value of that card in PDH is enormous. Like those two cards or the, you know, the cards you get to draw can save you. And that, that counterspell alone, Arcane Denial can 
hit their their combo piece, can hit the turn they're trying to storm off or whatever. Yeah. So it only sees play in Turbo Fog and 60 Card Popper because they want you to kind of mill out. But in PDH, the value of that card is is extremely high. So it works in every color. There are examples of that all over the place. And that was one of the things that took me a while to realize. You know, it wasn't even like, okay, this card's good in 60 card popper, so I'm going to bring it to PDH. It was just like, oh, I liked playing this card without realizing that I only liked it because I could have four of them or because I could take it right to my opponent's face and not worry about it, where I bring those over to PDH and I'm like, oh, well, I just hit Alcadron for three. But now Liam and and Fridge are over here staring at me like they're coming at me. What do I do about them? I just wasted a whole card on one person. Yeah. It's an easy transition once you understand it, but it's hard to sort of wrap your mind around it first. Because I hate to keep going back to it, but when I first got into the format, somehow in my mind I sort of looked at it like I would still be fighting against one person. Like I, I had a weird setup in my mind for how these four player games were going to work. Cause I never had really played them very much and it was not like that at all. There was a lot more politics. There was a lot more strategic, uh, gameplay. Your cards meant a lot more. Like there'll be times where you're holding a counter spell and you'll literally pass up on three or four spells. Cause you don't want you don't want to waste that card. That may be the yeah. only time you get to cast that counter spell all game. You want to make sure it's on something good. Yeah. Oh gosh, countering stuff so much harder in multiplayer. It really is. It really is. You you, you almost can't do it in the blind. You almost have to <laughs> work a deal with somebody. <laughs> it's it's funny because in in one v one, whether it's it's Papa or even now the the modern deck I just built, mm-hmm. I find myself enjoying control strategies much more because I don't have to sit there and really think too hard about what to counter. Right. Because I don't have I don't have more opponents looking at me, you know I'm running blue and they're like, oh, do you got a counter spell? It's like, well, yeah, but I don't know if I want to use it. Right. Uh, versus I when I have one opponent, it's like, yeah, I have a counter spell and I'm going to use it. Yeah. But in multiplayer, like, don't get me wrong, in multiplayer there are definitely times it's like, okay, that's the thing I counter. But more often than not, it's like, do I counter this or do I hold it? Like I've held two blue mana up the last three turn cycles. They know I've got a counter spell. So now it's just like, are they playing around me? Are they trying to bait it? Or do I hold on to it? It's rough in multiplayer. And 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 as such, when I get to multiplayer, I, I try to play uh, more combo-y slash aggro. And I use my counter magic to defend my stuff rather than be proactive in a strategy such as control. You know, that's that's actually how I end up using my counter magic as well. Like, I would rather use it to protect what I am trying to do rather than keep you off of what you're trying mm-hmm. to do. And and don't get me wrong, there will absolutely be the random spell that's like, okay, I, I have to counter that because, you know, it just, it, it throws a wrench in my plan, right? Or mm-hmm. it gives you too much of a boost that I, I don't think I can, I can assemble my combo before you win off that. You just got to use it. But, but there are other times where it's like, yep, nope, that resolves. And the people looking at you with the four blue man up, they're like, <laughs> what do you mean it resolves? And I'm like, I, I got nothing, man. Yeah, I ain't wasting it. Gosh, I think the worst. I think the worst one is um, a multiplayer EDH game where someone had the. I think it's called telepathy, but the 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 enchantment that makes us all play with our hands revealed. It's not a common. I think it's a rare. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But the, all of our hands are revealed, and then someone like goes and plays a thing that should like very very much be countered, 
And I'm just sitting there with a counter spell reveal. I'm like, I got nothing. And they're like, we can see it. And I'm like, I got nothing. And they're like, what do you mean? It's right there. And they like, like my friend reaches across and pulls it out of my hand. I'm like, I got nothing, man. I don't know what you're talking about. What you're talking about? That's a blank card. I'm sitting here playing a white blue deck and that's a giant growth. What are you talking about? I got nothing. Um, (laughs) It's, it it, it infuriates my friends, but, but it, it very is, you know, it, it very much is that way that my personal play style changes with the formats the colors mm-hmm. that i prefer yep. change with the formats in 1v1 60 card papa i love my grixis affinity deck sure i love my uh green green white infect decks i love uh naya slivers but that's also just slivers in in pdh you know i am very much a, a bant player when when i get to edh i am very much a bant player uh, I, I I like the white, the blue, and the green. The you know sit there and, and pillow for it and defend myself and get mm-hmm. to my thing and and just win that way. Yeah, I'm. It, that's funny you bring that up because I I am the same way too. Like in sixty card popper, I have very specific decks I like to play. I'll generally try to brew anything just to see if it'll work. Yeah. But if I'm picking picking up established decks, and there's very specific ones I play. Where in P, in PDH, it's the opposite. Yeah. See, with with sixty card, you got to brew to make sh- to see if it works because if it works. Then you need to modify the sideboard of your favorite deck to make sure you can counter that thing. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but in PDH, you don't have to worry about that because there are no sideboards. There are no sideboards. You just lose. If you don't have the answer, you just yeah, lose. Yeah, the, yeah pretty <laughs> simple. If you don't have the answer, it's, you better hope someone's going to help you out. Pretty straightforward. Yep. <laughs> I, I surprisingly want to be more controlling in PDH than I do in 60 Card Popper. I'm not sure why. Like, I love aggro. Voltron, Heroic, all that cool, you know, fun, beat your face down stuff in 60 card popper. But mm-hmm. when it comes to PDH, I, I want to do, I want to do Grixis and I want to do Demir and well, all these, well, I you think, know. I think part of that problem, Brad, might be, you know, you love doing Heroic in, in 60 card. Mm-hmm. But I bet the first thing you did when you came to PDH was you tried very, very hard to brew a Heroic deck. Of course. And you found that because all of your spells have to target one thing, they aren't as good in PDH as if they targeted everything. Oh right? Each creature God. you control gets plus two plus L. That is... But that doesn't target your heroic thing, so it's not good. So you took this this idea, this archetype, that is very straightforward and easy to understand and, and easy to play and, and you know good in a 60 card format when you have duplicates and you took it to pdh where you don't have duplicates uh you might have to dig into spells that aren't as good uh and you might have targets that just aren't as impactful right because if you're putting a bunch of one-on-one counters on one thing that flies in 60 card great you have one opponent but that yeah. doesn't work in in pdh because you knock out one opponent and then opponent two doom blades it um yeah. So all that work goes away. All those spells go away. And, you know, yeah, your opponent is just as likely to Doomblade it in 60 card, but then you can play another one. Uh, You you can start building again. And Mm -hmm. it's very hard to do that PDH. And Heroic, as an example, doesn't translate super well unless you're using a very specific commander. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're here for today is... is Even the mechanic of Heroic doesn't work very well in PDH. Like, you it's more... I think heroic in sixty card is what we call Voltron in in PDH. 
yeah, there's exactly there. There are definitely archetypes that don't translate super well, and archetypes that translate hella well mm-hmm. over to PDH, and that's kind of what we're here for today: is to point you in those generic general directions, and you know, maybe coach some sixty card players into our wonderful hall. Yeah, go on, bring it on. Yeah, we'll give you a couple ideas for each one too, just to get get you brewing a little bit. Another thing too that I've been asked, not as common as what we're talking about today, but I'll, I'll get to where somebody will message me and they're like, Hey, I want to try to, you know, I have a little PDH thing going at the LGS, or I want to take a PDH deck to this play group or start doing it online or what have you. What sort of meta can I expect? What sort of decks can I expect? And that's (laughs) (laughs) exactly. If, (laughs) If you're playing competitive, I would point you to the deck database, right? But if you're not that, playing competitive, it's the Wild West. Yeah, think about what you know about Papa and how that's a brewer's paradise. And then, you know, you, you're living in paradise in 60 card. PDH players are living in Utopia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good comparison. <laughs> it, it's good, good luck is my response to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there really is no answer. There's no meta. And like, like Liam said, unless you're in the CPDH crowd, you're, you're doing uh, leagues or tournaments, that sort of thing. But. If you're invited to somebody's PDH stream because they need a fourth player, good luck. You're just going to have to play what you enjoy playing and hope you have the answers because there's there's not. You have no idea what you're going to run into. Even if they tell you what commanders they're playing, yeah. there's not the a guarantee are... that you're going to run into what you think you're going to run into. The colors are kind of wild. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like Liam alluded to, we're going to just kind of go through the decks and archetypes that you'll find in 60 card popper and give you sort of some brief examples of what the, the options for those that we have in the popper commander format. So what do you think, Liam? Do you want to, do you want to start off the list here with your favorite? Sure. So the best, most awesome and epic archetype that exists in 60 card popper at the moment is affinity. Uh, no matter how many times wizard tries and bans it, it always comes back with a vengeance. I'm not resilient. sure how, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not even convinced at this point that if they banned the bridges, it would go away. But you know what? Who knows? As long as Wasi keeps printing free cardboard. Yeah, right. But yeah, so with Affinity, uh, this is actually one of the archetypes that translates super well uh, to PDH. Because think about it. Ever since the artifact lands have been printed in original, uh, original in block, I think, mm-hmm. Affinity has been an archetype in modern uh and popper uh and when they were in standard it was an archetype in standard since then the affinity deck has been tier one or tier two in modern and popper since the printing of the original artifact lands Mm -hmm. which was what 15 years ago yeah like uh like late 2000s 2006 2008 was nearly 15 years ago at this point (laughs) That's sad to think about. Um, I know, right? But, but yeah, like like you have fifteen years of variations of affinity decks to build a PDH deck based off. So at the very least, you could look up an affinity deck list from the time the cards came out, and look up a new version of that deck list every six months, all the way up till today's date, and you would have enough cards to build a functional affinity deck in PDH. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, while while newer, better cards were printed, 
That doesn't mean the old cards went away. It doesn't mean you know, they got bad. I mean, they're not, they're not optimal for 60 card, but at one point in time they were, which means they're super duper playable in PDH. So yeah, so affinity translates super well. And even then, once, once you pass that, there were just other artifacts that never saw competitive play because maybe they didn't work in that setting, or maybe there was just at the time stuff that was better than them. But now that there's space for them, they can fit in. Or maybe they never even went through standard. They never went to modern or Papa. Sure. Right? They they came out in a... Well, if they went through like the Commander Legends, they went to Papa, but they never went to standard or modern. Mm-hmm. So there's cards there that can uh, be playable in your, in your PDH decks. Uh, so the Commander that I am personally recommending, uh, which I think is backed up by... Uh, both of my co-hosts, I can't speak for Dave, uh, nor can Brad, because Dave's not here, but I think we all personally love this commander, is Aether Sworn Sphinx. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because turns out, you put Affinity and Cascade on the same card, <laughs> and then make it fly? Bro, I don't know. I don't I don't know what they were smoking, but... Yeah, nine mana Cascade <laughs> with Affinity for Artifacts. And, and, and that's the funny thing, too. It's, it's such a perfect example, because not only is this commander very powerful, it can enable some crazy shenanigans, yeah. but like when you approach a 60-card popper player saying, hey, we have Affinity, they're probably thinking, okay, Rakdos, Grixis, what do you got for me? Well, this is Azorius. Yeah, we, we got <laughs> Affinity of all flavors and colors. We have the bridges, too. Whatever, you know, honestly, like, put... Put five, you know, colored marbles in a bag. Uh, say you're going to build affinity and pull marbles out till you're done pulling. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you could build one, two, three, or five color. We can't do four color because uh, we're not that special yet. Yeah. Um, but you can do one, two, three, five color affinity, any combination of colors, and I guarantee you can make it work. Uh-huh. Even Tima, even Bear's Companion, I'm sure <laughs> you can make Tima affinity work in this format. You just won't be using Bear's Companion. <laughs> yep. Dream and like, yeah, you'll be using that commander for its colors. Uh, yeah. a, 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 an idea that many EDH players are familiar with. Um, yep. Yeah, so Affinity is super translatable, uh, but Ethos One Sphinx is uh, de facto, I think, one of the best ones at the moment. Uh, I see in the show notes here we have another commander called Liara Porter, who I believe came out in the Dominaria set or the Commander Legend set. I'm Baldur, not entirely Baldur's sure. Gate. It, Okay, yeah, it came out this summer. Um, and apparently this one is Affinity. Uh, it's Boros. I'm not entirely sure what it does, uh, but I know it's it's a legendary creature, is what I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe my co-hosts, if they put it on here and say it's Affinity, uh, and just goes to prove my point, that even Boros Affinity apparently works. Yeah, it, it does. It's it's. I don't know if the Affinity version of Liara Portier is the version that made it to the um, CPDHDDB. Oh, well, there you go. I I typically play against an affinity version of this commander, and it is very strong because not only, you know, it exiles these creatures, but you get to play them for cheaper or free if they're cheap enough already, which means you add more artifacts to the board, which means you can cast your bigger creatures, that sort of thing. So it can get pretty out of hand. And I think it's... hmm, Maybe it's not true affinity because I think it's more just Liara Portier artifacts. Like, hey, artifacts, we're powerful. We do this thing. It's crazy. Golden Foundry, yay. So maybe it's less affinity and more just crazy amount of artifacts for a Boros deck. But yeah. that's sort of second tier of this category, I think. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that, that just goes to show like this particular archetype 
translates super duper well. Uh, just because it is super fleshed out in other in in sixty card proper, uh, it has been for the better part of a decade, uh, which can only go to help a an archetype thrive in 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 PDH. Uh, yep. the, the archetypes that are super fleshed out that have the known support, you know, not something like uh, walls combo that was uh, you know theorized and but but finally given some amount of legs with uh the afr set in the dungeons right mm -hmm. like that deck won't produce anything super well in pdh unless you're doing like bant control with walls and you're tutoring for all your combo pieces but even then it's pretty fragile yeah real fragile and super slow versus affinity can can build back fairly quickly yeah so if, if you're a 60 card popper player and you're like hey you know i want to get it in pdh my favorite deck is walls combo y you may just have to play a different combo deck <laughs> basically yeah. we have them yeah. just not walls but yeah i think if we're sticking to sort of the pillars of the 60 card format we have to talk about burn this is one that's been around basically since the beginning hello we're celebrating magic's 30th year 30 years of burn hello and a lot of it does similar to affinity a lot of it translates very well the problem is sort of goes back to what i started to talk about in the beginning was the density of spells is you really need to pick a lane like in 60 yeah. card popper you got all your spells that go to face you got a handful of pingers curse of the pierce heart that sort of thing you're attacking on three or four different angles with 60 card burn whereas in pdh you almost don't want to spread yourself out that thin like you need to focus on your pingers or your spells or even your commander that 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 sits on the board and, and does damage. Like it's really hard to combine all of that stuff because it is such direct damage that in a mono red burn deck, you're not going to be able to take out player one and then player two and then player three with your spells. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. You would be taken out before you got to player three. Y yeah, easily for sure. But one of the mono red command, and when I say burn, I'm strictly talking about mono red burn because we don't so much have a, a Boros burn like modern does or anything like that. And if we do, I'd love to play it. I haven't bothered to, to brew anything up like that, but I don't know if we have the pieces for it. So when I talk about burn, I mean mono red burn. And one of the first commanders that actually comes to mind, Dave put this in the show notes, but but I wholeheartedly agree. It's Sir Kara, the Bold, from Throne of Eldraine. And this is one that I don't know why more people don't play it when they play mono red, but it is super powerful. It's the one that, you know, when it deals damage, when an instant or sorcery spell you control deals damage, Exile the top card of your library. You can play that card this turn, and then it pings. It'll tap tap for damage to any target. So if you think 60-card popper, mono-red burn struggles with card advantage, PDH is worse. It, it's 66% it's worse card advantage in mono-red. So you have to be creative. You have to use some, some mana rocks or some just rocks, utility rocks that'll draw you cards. And that's where commanders like this will come in huge is this is essentially saying when your flame rift does four damage to every player, you just yeah. essentially drew four cards. You exiled four off the top of your library. You can try to play in this turn. It's essentially drawing four cards like that is huge. That's massive card advantage and just value, just straight up value the whole time. So that's an example of where, mono red burn and pdh really shines is having that commander focused damage that commander 
centric deck where you're not just going to play a mono red burn deck in Pauper Commander and leave the commander in the zone and just use it for its colors, quote unquote. I don't think any burn deck would be successful that way. You're going to have to have a commander that plays with the damage, lets you draw cards, uh, whatever that value may be, but you need it because you're in mono red, yeah. basically. Your, your, your commander's going to have to do something with the burn spells, whether yep. it's be amplify them or provide direct advantage with them. Yep, and like Sir Kara effectively draws you cards. We have things like Gutter Snipe, which add to the damage when you cast a spell, uh, which is kind of virtual card damage card I keep saying that which is virtual card advantage that can help in games pretty quickly so we've got some mono red options it just depends on what route you want to go there there's versions where it's pinger tribal you know and stuff like that firebrain archers um Kessig flame breather all that good stuff so you can sort of put them all together but having a a good focus is going to be very helpful for a burn deck in in pdh yep and then if you you know we've we have very successful is it burn decks as well so that's that's definitely an option you can go down with like gelectrode and mischievous chimera stuff like that the crackling drake all those you know really powerful is it commanders that allow you to have the speed and card draw necessary to get to those burn spells and get to those mass damage spells and that sort of thing so i would say mono red and is it burn are probably Obviously, the two most popular we have in PDH. I don't play a lot of them, though. Are you you a big burn player? I am not a burn player outside of 60-card Pauper. Uh, I just I, I am not a fan of any of the options uh, other than Sokera, which has been so overdone with Dragon's Approach. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Uh like it, it like has. that's the it, only it really has. <laughs> especially with all the new dragons we got in a uh, Baldur's Gate. It it just you know, it was it was a funny meme deck until we got actually tutable good tutorable stuff with it. And then it, it stopped being a, a a small meme and became a big meme and I, I was I was kinda over it. Yeah, big meme. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's definitely a dragon's approach deck for sure. But yeah. That's I mean that's kind of the nature of mono red, so but we have those options if if you're just if you're just the guy that shows up with the the fireball play mat and the the red deck box and the hat that says I heart lightning bolts like that's a deck for you. Yeah. No, uh like I I mean I I'm I'm not saying I won't sit down against anyone who who plays Sokara. I mean, oh, sure, means, sure, if, sure. If if that's the deck you want to play, like I know what's in it. So I you know, I'm going to treat it as such like I'm not going to you know pretend to be surprised by 30 dragons approaches. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm not gonna like refuse to play against you because you're playing that deck. Like, I I love the deck wholeheartedly. I think it's I think it's a fun, unique design for the format. I just personally will not build it because I think every time I see a Sokara deck, it's Dragon's Approach, and I just don't think there's a realistic to, way to build that deck without it. No, I don't think so either. I think you're completely right. Yeah, even yeah. even if Dragon's Approach is just the sub theme and you're only running ten copies of it, like I, you need to run <laughs> ten copies of it. Um, yeah, minimum. Yeah, if you want to yeah. see more than more than one or two. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know, I like Bone as an archetype does translate to PDH uh, decently because we we do have commanders that do it well. However, they don't. It, the, it's it's not a very broad archetype when it comes to PDH. It yep. is very it, it it has the one or two commanders that do it well, and then that's it. Yeah, it's very linear. 
in, I mean, I mean, Bon is a linear, uh, uh, yeah, is is a very linear archetype. It, it is not, it is not an easy archetype, but it is a linear one. Mm-hmm. And with that, it means that its commander options must also be very linear, yeah, uh, just to complement the archetype. And I think that's something you're going to find, right? Is is you know comparing it back to Affinity. Affinity is an archetype that you can crack wide open. As such. There yeah. is a wide variety of commanders across all colors. Bone is a very linear archetype. Therefore, the commanders must be equally, if not more, linear. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it's going to be. And, you know, it, we have a pretty robust 1v1 popper dual commander uh, community. So I, I know burn decks do very well in, in that, too. If that's oh, something. yeah. So. I mean, but I mean, duels also 1v1, so it's easier, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's something like yeah, that. I'll, I, I'll give you a hint. It's not. <laughs> it's not. There are some it's good players. Not. All right, what do we got next? I think it's another one of your favorites. Another one of my favorites. Mono Black Control. Uh, I will say, in 60 card PDH, Mono Black Control is one of my favorite archetypes. When you get to PDH, sorry, I think I said that backwards. When you're in 60 card, Mono <laughs> Black Control is absolutely one of my favorite archetypes. In PDH, Mono Black Control is okay. I will happily build a deck. I know how it works. But it, I'm not going to play it every single chance I get. Uh, sure. It is... It is. I mean, it's like Bone. It's it's very straightforward. Uh, and even talking about the uh, 4x4 episode from last week, where we talked about uh, our Graveyard Commanders, you know, I chose Gary. But, you know, I, I as I was building the deck, I was like, wow, this is... This deck is just mono black control. It's just mono black. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was it was a fairly straightforward uh, deck to build. It, it didn't take that much effort compared to my other three by three episodes. When you're playing it in sixty card, there's a lot more choices and options to be made. You know, you have to kind of pick and choose what you kill now, what you kill later, what you don't kill at all. But in PDH, it's just kind of kill anything bigger than a three three. Yeah. Uh, don't mm-hmm. don't let anything bigger than a three three, you know, stick around too long. Build up as many permanents as you can. You know, kill and replay your commander as often as possible. Yep. It was it was fairly straightforward. Yeah, I think it really the thing is. that I I think the thing I love about this archetype in particular is that with mono black control, you have your staples, right? You have tortured existence and Gary and Oubliette and pestilence and all your black draw spells and all your black reanimation and and you know heroes down not, not heroes downfall um cast, cast down, down. Uh, that's the one I was going for uh cast down and uh doom blade and uh, go for the throw you you have all these spells that everyone knows and you can throw them all in a deck and then put any mono black creature in front yeah. of it and I that's what I love about this archetype in PDH is any mono black commander can run it. Mm-hmm. But that's also what I hate about it. Um, <laughs> I knew there was a I catch. Don't, I don't like my archetypes being too linear, but I also don't like them being too wide open. Um, I like, you know, but even then, you know, I say you can crack affinity wide open, but the style of affinity deck changes based on what colors you're running. Like white blue right. is going to be combo affinity, but black red is going to be sacrifice affinity. And red green is going to be, uh, you know, big beat down artifact with equipment affinity. Like, it's it's gonna that archetype changes with the colors. Yeah, the flavor of it. 
the yeah the the flavor of the archetype because it is five color you know pick your pick your poison the flavor changes really well with mono black control it's it's mono black there's not mm-hmm. much else you do with it <laughs> yeah, yeah However, unless you're unless you're running like Tormod or Conrad or you know Armex any even, of the tier even ones, Conrad yeah. let's be real even Conrad the only real thing changing there is you're exiling your own graveyard yeah <laughs> that's the only real thing changing but yeah i like but but that being said it is a great on-ramp for 60 card to 100 card anyone realistically can build a mono black control deck never having played this format before yeah they just need the card pool if 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 they have never played pdh but they they've played mono black control in 60 card and they have like the tiniest bit of edh experience like they don't have to have played a game but they should have like watched a couple mm-hmm. right they could probably put together you know a functional mono black control deck in this format no problem i would think so and sure i think that is one of the things that makes it such a good starting archetype to to bridge over to to pdh with and see, isn't that funny too? Like, if someone's brand new to sixty card popper, you're like, okay, here's burn, go get him. But in PDH, it's like, okay, well, you could play mono black. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I'm, but that's the thing is like, if if I was getting someone started in sixty card, I would absolutely hand them a burn deck. I would never, ever hand them a mono black control deck. Right. Not exactly. until they've got a couple games on the belt. But they go to PDH and it swaps. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna hand them that mono black control deck. You know eons before i ever think about showing them what a bun deck looks like in our format yeah because in pdh it's just it's (laughs) it's like you said it's like the car i mean yes the rules are on the cards but like the cards tell you what they want you to do when they want you to do them (laughs) lightning bolt does different things in different formats in Mm -hmm. 60 card you point it at your opponent's face and say die yep in pdh you don't play it um (laughs) you do do play it you don't play it in edh but in pdh you you play it and you you kill a creature with it i don't think i've ever really seen a lightning bolt go at someone's face outside mm-hmm. of a Kara deck right same here you know and like you you were saying too mono black in pdh is it's not at all established but it is yeah understood like if you sit across from a mono black player in pdh and they're part of you the know pod, they're, they're players you yeah you're like okay, exactly this, what they're yeah, gonna play like, this, is, this is gary this is rats this is pestilence okay let's go <laughs> pretty straightforward you can't you can't say that about most other colors most of them anyway most yeah uh, mono black is extremely fun i don't know i feel pretty confident that if i'm sitting down against a mono blue deck half their deck is counter spells i feel pretty confident Uh, yeah that's that's a good point although i did play against a mono blue deck two or a saturday and then a sunday in a row and it was i don't think they casted a counter spell one time it was just tempo just did they just not drop no they were it was just digging through my deck attacking you with little creatures bouncing my creatures attacking you digging through my deck like it was just tempo and digging yeah it was cool okay but they were they were running bounce spells to to compensate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah pseudo yeah. counter spells yeah basically you sort of alluded to it earlier we have heroic hmm that's my baby heroic's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> i am a little bit like we we definitely have options don't don't think that heroic is completely off the table it's just it's just hard it's, like it's we, rough. <laughs> it is rough. Like here, one of the one of the best heroic keyworded heroic creatures we have in the format is Battlewise Hoplite from Theros. If nobody was around back then, 
It's a blue and a white for a 2-2 human soldier. It's got heroic. You put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and then scry one. That's not good enough. Like, <laughs> you, you know, you spent all of turn three making it a 3-3. Three, three. And then you spent all of turn four making it a 4-4 four, four and probably protecting it with the rest of your mana. Like, you just don't. It ends up turning into a poor version of a Voltron deck, in my opinion. Because it can get out of hand, if unchecked. But more than likely, if you're playing against three other people, it's going to be kept in check rather quickly, rather efficiently. So what do you do? Okay, I'm going to build my board wider, so if they take out my commander, I have other creatures to attack with. Okay, but then you just took up all these slots that were meant for heroic spells. It just becomes a mess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any other way to explain it. We have first um, 10th Legion District, 10th District Legionnaire. Granted, it just got a common downshift, but it was originally an uncommon in War of the Spark. Kind of the same thing, except that it has haste. Two mana, two, two with haste. You put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It doesn't have the keyword heroic, but when you cast a spell, it targets it. So we have that sort of thing. Honestly, as much, like you were saying, as much as I love heroic in 60 card popper, I have not built an actual heroic deck in PDH. Because I knew, I've brewed them, I've theorized them, like I've written them down, made notes, this and that, but <laughs> just mentally testing them, they don't, they don't perform. Like I, I've, I've beaten them before, I've seen them played, I just personally have never built one because of, I, I don't know if I just don't want to be disappointed or I don't want to waste my time or what. But they are fun, if you absolutely love that mechanic, you can play them, just don't expect a lot. Because yeah. like you said too, in 60 card heroic, okay, you got a gigantic Laguna Band Trailblazer and they cast down, boom, it's gone. Okay, well give me two or three more turns and it'll, I'll have another one that's just as big. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? Well, in PDH, that Battlewise Hoplite's going to get to be four mana, six mana, eight mana, ten mana before you know it. And then all your mana is being used to put him on the battlefield. <laughs> you can't cast any spells. And then you're set. And then you are very sad. Then you're just waiting to die. So I don't have a lot to add about Heroic. Brew it. I would love to be proven wrong. I'd love to see a competitive Heroic deck. We just don't have it. I, I feel like Heroic as a mechanic functions better in the 99 than it does in the mm -hmm. Command Zone. So, Well, see, I, I remember being so happy about this downshift for 10th District Legionnaire. Because it meant that it could go into Boros Heroic in 60 card. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do honestly think this is a card where it just gets... It, it's better as the commander in, for our format. Because, I mean, it's like you said, right? It it, it could go in the 99, uh, and eventually it starts it starts casting 4, 6, 8 mana. But if you put if you fill this deck with stuff like protection spells... It becomes sure. very hard to remove, and it becomes very big and very scary very fast. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously you're going to need more than just protection spells, but if you just run like a, such a large density of them, this commander just becomes a force to reckon with. Yeah, and it's it good that it's in Boros because you have the red that can remove potential blockers too. Exactly, you get that the helps out spells. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think Maleva is a is a really good. Uh, commander versus being in the in the 99 like you would with a 60 card i can get down with that for sure where are we moving to next uh i guess we're moving on to voltron voltron is 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 it popular in 60 card i don't i don't think i've 
ever played against a Voltron deck at 60 cut. I mean, I guess, I guess if you want to call Boggles or Boggles Voltron, sure. Okay. And then, I'll, you know, okay, your, this, this... your one or two heroic creatures in mono white heroic get big like Voltron, but it's really a heroic deck. All right. This, this archetype is now Boggles slash Voltron. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, so both of these archetypes follow the same idea. You make one creature really big. Yep. And you swing Real tall. It. Real tall. You know, maybe, maybe, give, maybe give it a little fat, but make it real tall and, and just turn it sideways. Yep. In 60 card, this looks like Bogles, right? We all know Slippery Bogle. We enchant it. We, you know, make it, make it go big and then swing with it. Very difficult for our opponents to deal with. And even if they can manage to deal with it, it's very cheap to keep recasting and you have multiple copies. Yep. That does not work in PDH. Uh, I, you're welcome to use Bogle as your commander, uh, but people will remove it as quickly as possible. Uh, and there are many more ways to get around hexproof in PDH than there are in 60 card. Yeah, oh, yeah um, a lot more. Yeah, a, because, a typical like slippery Bogle deck in PDH ends up being almost a Simic control deck because you have to pack so much counter magic for when they try to remove your, your slippery yeah. boy. And the reason I say it's so much better to remove is, uh, going back to my discard example from earlier, right? We, we were... I was saying, you know, you, you have the two-mana target opponent discards a card, or three-mana each opponent discards a card. That translates to bond spells, too. You have one-mana target creature, you know, takes two damage, or three-mana each creature takes two damage. Right. Turns out each, each that word each, gets around hexproof. <laughs> um, and since everyone is naturally running every card that says each instead of target, uh, hexproof doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Hexproof is still a very powerful mechanic in, in PDH. Uh, it just it's much easier to deal with than you might think. It really is. It's not as intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so Bogles, while great in sixty card, sort of kind of turns into Voltron when you get into PDH. Uh, it's still the same concept, right? You choose choose a creature, make it big, make it tall, uh, swing with it. Uh, you can use enchantments. You can use equipment. You can use a mixture. Uh, if you have certain commanders, you know that can change a little bit. Voltron is really hard to win with uh, because it really is. you end up having one creature, and you swing that, and you knock someone out. The other two opponents, all of a sudden, whatever they're doing, halts yep. until you are gone. <laughs> uh, and not only that, you have one creature, and even if it has vigilance, you have one creature. Yeah. Turns out. Um, <laughs> Attack attackers can get through one creature fairly well. Uh, even if you have support creatures, they tend to be one ones or, or one twos, and they don't they don't do a whole lot of blocking. So yeah, yeah, you're, it, you're, it can be. You know, if you're stuck on that one creature, that's your big, tall, yeah. little wide Voltron commander. You know what's pretty popular in PDH is menace. They come at you with a menace creature. You're like, oh well, I guess yeah. I take it. I guess I die. <laughs> yeah. So it it can be hard to win with, but it is a fun strategy. Super fun. You can use anything for, for this strategy. Uh, my, my personal Voltron deck is a Yorgle deck. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, it is lovely. It's fantastic. You know, you can, you can choose anything you want. And there's, there's probably a fairly decent way to make it Voltron. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, you can also uh, take some other... You can take some commanders and, and turn them into Voltron, even if they weren't necessarily designed that way. Uh, and it makes for some some interesting decks uh for mm-hmm. example brad you you have a, a killian deck 
that is Voltron. Yes. Because it takes advantage of the facts that enchantment auras target to use his cost reduction. Exactly. It just spells, then, it just says spells that target. Yeah. And then you I think you were you were messing around with Sphinx of the Guild Pact, right? Which is the uh protection from monocolored. So you've got just a bunch of two colored from monocolored. Hex proof from monocolored. Okay. Yeah. So so you just got a bunch of like two colored enchantments in that deck that Yeah, I got all the Shadowmore yeah. block yeah, hybrid enchantments, hybrid auras, yeah. gift of Orzova. I saw that. That 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 looks wild. Um but yeah, it was you, really you, fun. It, it's super it, slow because the commander itself is seven oh, mana, but <laughs> for sure. Uh, but you can you can kind of choose whatever, you know, dive into a box and pull the first thing out mm-hmm. and and make it a Voltron uh, commander fairly easily. If you like Bogles, I would recommend giving Voltron a try. Um, yeah, I, I would like, give you if the... you like heroic, give Voltron a try because, like I said, we don't have a whole lot of true heroic, but we have a ton of Voltron strategies. I would I would give you the disclaimer that it will be very difficult to win with, but yep. it can also be it can it can be fun. Yeah, it can be it can be real fun if you're sitting there with a vigilance twelve sixteen trampler lifelink whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a blast. Yeah, it's super. Fun. You got a big target on you, but it's a blast. Yeah. Uh, next one up that we wanted to touch on is not a. Hmm, I guess it's it's a specific archetype. It's it's also a strategy, a theme, if you will, a tribe that you see a lot in 60-card popper, and that's fairies. We have the mono blue <laughs> style in 60-card popper. We've got scred, which is kind of is it fairies, and then obviously we have the hardcore demir fairies. So I don't play a lot of those decks. I have them built for my battle box, but I don't really play a lot of them. Supposedly... There's a decent fairy commander in PDH, fairy harbinger, harbinger, fairy wizard, yep. two flash. When it comes into play, you search your library for a fairy card, reveal it, put it on top of your library. Seems good. Seems like a good mono blue control slash tempo strategy. I am not good at building those, so if I played it, it would probably just be like an Alcadron list, like someone that's already brewed <laughs> it and tested it and played with it. Uh, but we do have those options, you know, and the one thing that I, I can say about this is be, if you want to go with fairies, it's similar to every other tribe we have in PDH is it's a lot harder to be successful with because of that density problem, because of the singleton issue. Like, sure, your fairy harbinger deck can run spell stutter sprite, but where is it? Is at the bottom of your deck? Is it at the top? You only get to cast it once. How are you going to bounce it back? That sort of thing, as opposed to being able to have four of them. Uh, same with like Fairy Miscreant. You might as well not even play that one. Fairy Seer is always good. That sort of thing. So I've always found the the power of fairies come from just swarming your opponent with them. Getting three or four on the board, being able to counter whatever you want to counter, bouncing them and drawing cards, doing all this crazy stuff. And I don't know that we have a lot of that in PDH. I mean, we have a lot of fairies with ETB abilities. But if you look through, if you look through them on Scryfall, most of them have set mechanic ability on them or for <laughs> limited environment ability like etbs gives a creature minus three minus oh or you know silly stuff like that but supposedly this is good so give it a shot it'll be um it'll be interesting i i, I may run it i may throw it up on moxfield and, and run it in a stream once I, i'd like to see how uh, a fairy's deck does in pdh have you ever played one uh, I have never played a, a fairies deck in PDH, but I can imagine it is very control based. Sure, I imagine it's it's probably running a lot of control elements. 
outside of the fairies, but also in with the fairies. I also imagine that there's a lot of overlap with a. Uh, uh, the ninja's dad. I was just thinking that it's got to be sort just of ninja because, based, at least a little bit. Just because, like, the there there is no Demir ninjas PDH deck. It it just does not work by itself. Right. Uh, yeah. You need to pair the ninjas with another slightly more established tribe, and that is either fairies and or rogues. I would love to see a fairy ninja rogue Demir PDH deck. I think that would be a blast. Yeah. But I think that if you want to if you want to build fairies, but not necessarily rogues. I, I mean I know there are fairy rogues, but I feel like you would have to at least pair them with ninjas, uh, which opens you up to Demir more and, and more control strategies. But I think I think uh, fairy ninja rogue just off the top of my head sounds like a fun archetype to build. I would play that. Yeah, that sounds fun. And I think fairies is probably better than I made it sound just because I've never played it. But it's probably along the lines of like a heroic or any of the other tribes we really have. Like you just you have to really love the tribe itself to be able to want to play it. Like, I don't think I would ever just sit around and be like, hmm, I should brew up fairies. That feels like something that I would have to bring with me from another format. Absolutely. But I did play against a mischievous cat geist deck two streams in a row and i had never heard of this card before it's one in a blue for a cat spirit from crimson vow and just it's just a one one when it deals combat damage to a player you draw a card and then it has the disturb mechanic where if it's in the graveyard cast its first disturb cost as an aura and that creature gets that curiosity ability and the deck was great i think it it at least won half the games it played like, it was surprisingly good. It was very tempo-based. Every turn, the pilot was drawing multiple cards, and it had Heroic in the 99. It was making his creatures unblockable, swinging them in for big. Like, it was a very powerful mono-blue deck for being such an unassuming commander. I was I was impressed. Like, it makes me want to play that deck, even though I'm not a super huge mono-blue fan. So I just thought I'd throw that out there for the listeners. There are options. Granted, it's not tribal, I mean, I guess you could do mono blue cats somehow, but it's not tribal, but it is very good. You just have to get creative with your mono blue sometimes. I'm unclear if you could do mono blue cats in EDH. I don't know that you could do that. I don't know. <laughs> let, alone, cats, let alone but... PDH. Yep. So we definitely have options out there. I just wanted those. We wanted to specify fairies because I know I've I've gotten asked that before. Like, hey, I play Scred in you know, cover what's there in PDH or I play, I love Demir fairies. Like what is there for the fairies in PDH or whatever? So so I thought I'd throw that out there. There are definitely amazing Demir decks. They're just not fairy decks. We've got options. Yeah. 100%. Um, The next one here on the list. I don't know if I could talk to, uh, talk about this one. Do you have anything for this one? It's turbo fog for for the listeners. Uh, So turbo fog is an interesting archetype <laughs> it, it's interesting to say the least You're right i think this is a very doable archetype for pdh okay. i think it'd be very fun to play against um Ooh, just like it's not sure. just like it's not fun to play against in in 60 code oh, it's miserable the only thing that i think you have to be wary of is when you fog because obviously when you're when you're playing 1v1 and you're holding like three fogs in hand you you feel like you're in a good spot but to be in an equivalent spot, you would have to be holding nine fogs in hand in PDH. 
that's unrealistic. Right. I think this. I think this is a very doable archetype because you just run a similar ratio of fogs and counter spells, uh, and draw spells. Uh, obviously, the more that you include in the deck, the the lower the quality they become. But with a certain density, that doesn't really matter. Uh, over time, we we certainly have enough fog effects to make them playable, and we have plenty of sure. uh, counter and draw effects. I just think that you need to be wary of when you fog. You won't be able to yes. fog every single combat like you can in 60 cut. Uh, I, you know, ideally, if you're not involved in that combat, you don't fog at all, which means you need to find a way to de-incentivize yourself from being involved. <laughs> right. uh, so whether that's, in, whether that's you include goad or incentives to attack your opponents, stuff like that. But you need to make sure you're involved in as little combat as possible so you use as few resources as possible. I think it's possible. Um, I think everyone just agrees that due to the casual, the, the more casual nature of the format, uh, and the fact that everyone wants their opponents to be able to play the game, this just doesn't see a lot of play. Yeah. Uh, while while you were talking, I actually looked it up on Moxfield, and there is exactly one Turbo Fog for Popper EDH on Moxfield, yeah. and it's actually it's a Sphinx to the Guild Pack deck, and it looks like it's nice. just five, five color control. Beautiful. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely once you start including other colors, you can, you know, play less fogs and more spell reanimation yeah. and then set up like loops to get a, to, to loop a Kaomancer and, and those effects every turn to, to more reliably have fogs in hand. I mean, I can see it. It's yeah, not going to be very some... fun. <laughs> yeah. It's um, but I can see it. And if you're thinking like the 60 card version of Turbo Fog basically uses fogs to keep you alive while you mill out your opponent. That's yeah. not really going to be the win con in PDH unless you can set up some sort of infinite uh, Sage's Row Denizen. Well, we got uh, you know yeah you got Sage's there. Row you got uh, you got petitioners you could do it. Yeah, we got petitioners. That's true. That's true. Maybe those are your blockers. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, uh, I think this is definitely. I think definitely if, if your goal is to win with it, if your deck is doing Turbo Fog, your goal is to win with an infinite uh, Sage Row combo. Sure. If you be. want to stay true to the uh, milling win con, if you don't care about staying true to that win con, then you're just playing blue control with extra fogs. Right. <laughs> A which lot of is extra rude. fogs. Which is rude. <laughs> that is rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I it's it's definitely a doable deck, but it gets a little rough once you uh, once you start abandoning what makes it an archetype in sixty card. It just becomes other archetypes. Yeah, you're just using the name for for meme sake or whatever. Yeah. So, brew it up. Try to build a turbo fog deck. That'd be interesting to see. I haven't really seen one. I'm sure there's one out there. Maybe it's just got a different name or runs a different package. But I'm sure it can be done. It's just nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely recommend Tangle and Spore Cloud and Moments Peace. Yep. These are all cards that no one has ever seen before in their lives, and they're amazing. <laughs> they are amazing. Look them up. They're, they're good cards. Yeah. All right. I think uh, one of the last ones we got here is, is my, my favorite, obviously. It's Orzov, or White Black Pestilence, if you will. That's the more common 60-card popper name. It's just White Black Pestilence. It's not called Orzov Control or anything like that. To me, and maybe it's just because I'm a devotee to, to, the, to that guild, but the white-black decks have always been the easiest for me to build because I understand how to play white spells and white creatures, and I understand how black, the control aspect of black works. And that's basically what the deck is. 
I understand how those colors mix together in my head. And to me, a Orzov PDH Pestilence deck, unless you're going for a specific win con, like Viscopa Guild Mage or Killian Voltron style, that sort of thing, you can have just about any commander you want to in in the command zone if you're just doing the shell of value creatures, flickers, pestilence, crypt rats, and chip damage. You know, you're gaining enough life to, to chip damage them out, or you're gaining a lot enough life that pestilence is going to kill everybody. To me, that that's at its heart what a, an Orzhov pestilence deck is, and it's very easy to build in PDH, especially the last few years. We just They keep cranking out white creatures that draw cards. They keep cranking out black value spells, black draw spells, that sort of thing. So to me, it's very easy. And if you want to go stronger on it, we have very good commanders in Orzov, some that enable reanimator effects. We have, like I said, Killian that does a good Voltron and or control strategy. Viscopa Guildmage can drain the table out in one turn. Like we have all the different styles of Orzov while having an awesome shell. Like you could take the shell from, I don't know, a Killian deck and put it in a Fersia deck from from Kaldheim or whatever. You could use mm-hmm. the same shell and the commander changes because it, it's pretty versatile. That, that's all I'm saying. It, Orzov is very versatile in PDH. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of access to the cards. Black has the good tutors and it, it just got a little bit of everything and it can be uh, Voltron. It can be white-black aggro if you want. It can be white-black control. It can be almost any archetype you want to make it because it's very flexible. It's Probably the most toolbox archetype we have in the format is, is white and black, I think. Most toolbox? Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know that I have a good count of that, but it is a bold statement. <laughs> and I like I like that you said uh, maybe this is the easiest to build, but I don't know. I, I, I think that mono black control might be the easiest to build just because it's it's the most straightforward. Everyone knows what mono black does. Uh, it That's does true. everything just for a cost. <laughs> That cost yeah. might be mana or it might be life, but it does it everything. Yep. It might be the other resource. Yeah. What's that quote? Uh, you can win the game at 30 life. You can win the game at one life. Life is a resource. That's right. As long as you as got as you more than zero, you're still More in. than zero. That's right. Yeah. And I, feel, I think of this whole list that we've gone over, mono black control might be the easiest to translate from uh, 60 to, to 100 good. I, I agree. Definitely. Of the ones that we talked about, yeah, mono black control is definitely the most direct route into the format. Yeah. The last one on our list here is Walls Combo, but I kind of touched on it earlier. This one was more of just a meme because we were listing archetypes that were active in current Papa, and the last time I looked at, you know, the the active Papa meta mm-hmm. was probably around Baldur's Gate when people were still messing around with walls. Okay. Um, because that's about the time when uh, my life ended and my internship started. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I remember seeing that deck when it came out. And I remember seeing people trying to play around with it some more uh, after Baldur's Gate. I don't know if yeah. it went anywhere. Did it, did it go anywhere? I don't know. <sighs> Not really. It, it's always okay, kind of here and there, pops up every now and then. That's about it. So, so the walls combo is you can play it in PDH, yes. But it would be no different than just a Bant control deck or a Bant ETB, Bant Walls deck that just has an alternate win con aside from Paragon Drake. Right, and by saying you can play it in PDH means the cards are common. Yeah. The, <laughs> they the are cards, legal in PDH. <laughs> the cards are legal, but the combo is so specific right. 
and there's not a lot of duplicates you know like like with archaeomancer there's like five versions of that card there were not five versions of all the cards involved in the walls combo they're, they're right. one of many of them yeah even the 60 card walls combo is a lot of singletons yeah it's 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 an interesting deck yep. so if it's still active in the in the proper meta great you can in fact build it in pdh but it's going to be a lot more effort than mono black control would be. Oh yeah, a lot. And and you might want someone who's a little more knowledgeable of the format to help you. But yeah, that, that's that's kind of where we come to the end of our list. Well, I did have one more real quick that I literally oh, okay. just thought of. Absolutely. I think I heard you talk about it before. I got super hard into PDH, so maybe like two years ago. If someone walked up to you and said, I love 60 card popper. I play it all the time, but I want to get into PDH and I play Tron. <laughs> <laughs> tron doesn't work um yeah, but okay it does not um work. yeah i mean uh, oh god the the thing is with 60 card you get to run four of every tron mm-hmm. and there are some cards that can search for the tron lands and while all of those cards are commons and pop illegal you get one of each of them yeah um i i would not and expedition map you cannot play tron in pdh i have yeah. tried to get it to work you can put the tron lands in decks sure they'll slot right in yeah i have i have a an old wooded slime foot deck that runs them i have a colorless deck i'm working on right now that uh runs them because both of those decks are very mana hungry and the tron lands are wonderful for that if you assemble them yes a big big if asterisk there, if you assemble them. Your deck, your, your deck by no means should be counting on these lands like the 60-card deck does. But you can slot them in a deck, and they are playable-ish. Yeah. They are legal uh, just, in the format. Just don't expect them to be anything more than a waste in most games. Yeah. And I mean that is in the, the, the card name, not, not a literal waste of space. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just figured we hit we hit all the other like affinity and burn and mono black control tiers pillars. That is something format. you something you can put in decks. Uh, I just would not would not count on them showing. Up. I have not done it and would not recommend it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's that is not an archetype that translates to hundred card singleton because it is an archetype that is entirely crutched up by the four of rule. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. Beautiful. That was actually a longer explanation than I was expecting. I was expecting just <laughs> the laugh and then no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's gonna about do it. I think we covered everything pretty well. There's a handful of decks that are almost a direct port from Popper to PDH, and yeah. there's some that you have to get creative with. So yep. I think that's a, pretty similar with, with most formats if you're moving from one to the next, because every every single format out there has some kind of version of these archetypes. But PDH yeah. is just a little bit different. Like like the very first one we talked about, Affinity. You know, most people think of it as Rakdos or Grixis. Well, it's not necessarily. It can be, but one of the mm-hmm. best ones we have don't touch those colors. Well, except for blue, but you know what I'm saying. So you just have to get creative sometimes. Was there anything else you wanted to add to this list before we get to the outro? No, no, I'm good. All right, cool. Well, just got to touch on a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. So if you need any more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show, pdhpod at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to PDH Homebase's website. You'll find their Discord server there. 
Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. If we missed any tiers or any archetypes you want to question us about, we'll be happy to answer those questions. Uh, and as, as always, you can find Dave as Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. He knows a lot about combo, so if you want to ask him about combos, he's the man. And then I'll put all the links down in the show notes. You can check them out down there. And then as episode 22 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. See you. Party.